And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday. On The Athletic Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of the Hoops Adjacent episode of The Athletic MBA Show. David Aldrich here in D.C. Where the president, uh, well, the former president, got away again. That's all I'm going to say about that. In L.A., Wazlan Bray Waz, what's up, man? How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm basking in the glow of this Black History Month. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of great coverage, but there's so much good stuff all over the Internet. Yeah. I watched the Fred Hampton biopic. How was yesterday. that? I got to see that. I heard it was great. Powerful. Okay. Powerful. Okay. Powerful yeah. experience of watching that. Um, I obviously read your Bubba Wallace joint. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm just honestly, I, I, I'm not going to lie. In the past, I've been pretty cynical about Black History Month. Just like, really? We're doing this for a month? But this <laughs> this year, I find myself taking in a lot of this stuff and feeling very empowered, feeling very affirmed just in yeah. my own life as a black man. So, you know, just loving this Black History Month. I mean, it's, you know what? You can take you can take it whatever way it it suits you. You know, Waz. I mean, I mean, some I, I hear you. Sometimes you feel like, you know, it's being I don't know what the word is. Just kind of like being trotted out for um, we're being pacified sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it feels that way. Yeah, yeah. And but this, I mean, there is a different. I think it. I think it's different when you're the one telling the story, right? I mean, I think yep. that makes it a lot different. Um, so I hope that, uh, I hope people enjoyed it. I like talking to Bubba Wallace. I had not talked to him at length before and you know what? He just seems like a dude is trying to figure it out, you know, and he's yep. doing it in, in real time in public. And yep. so I'm not going to kill dude if he doesn't get everything right all the time. Yep. You know, he's, tr- he's trying to use his voice for the right things, you know? So give him the space to do that and to make whatever mistakes he makes and to keep it moving. And, um, you know. Uh, it was fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating to see how how involved Michael's going to wind up being with it. Um, if I know if, if history's any guide, he's going to be real involved. So um, that will be fascinating to see. Um, I watched. I ain't never watched the Daytona 500 start to finish. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> until sa- until sa- uh, Sunday, that was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. So uh oh it was interesting. Goodness. It was interesting. It's a world I don't know anything about. So I don't even pretend like it's, it's something that I'm that I'm familiar with. So um but look, we wanna we wanna talk about and I really wanted to do this this week because while we've been on this Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Nets loop for the last yep. month. <laughs> like those are the only teams we talk about, you know, and I yep. know people are interested, but I was like, wait a minute. Utah's 25 and three. We got to talk about them. When are we going to talk right. about them at length? So I was very fortunate. And we're very fortunate. And I'm very happy that my, my old buddy, Sarah Todd, who covers the jazz for the Desiree news was available uh, to join us this week to talk about it. Sarah, it's so nice to talk to you again. How are you doing? 
I'm doing great. I think I probably prefer a young friend, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you you're younger than me, but that doesn't make you unique. I'll just say that. No, we go back, and it's really it's really we nice do. to meet you. We do, we do. Um, I met Sarah. I met Sarah in, gosh, I don't even know what year it was. It was. I think it was several my- years. It was my when first was year covering the Warriors, so I think that was probably maybe 2013 when I met 2013. you. 2013, and you were in the Bay Area, just starting out covering the Warriors, and and it was, now, refresh my memory, Sarah, were you radio at the time? No, I was uh, I was doing um, reporting for uh, like a web outlet, a startup in the Bay. Okay, and, okay, uh, that's right, okay. So always been doing writing in some form or another. Okay, okay, my mistake, my mistake. And you went from that, and then you went all the way across the country. I always love to hear why people go across the country to do something. You went all the way across the country to cover the 76ers, and I wonder what that was. You know, what was the rationale behind that? What 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 made you excited about doing that, and um, what was the experience like? Yeah, I mean, I was just starting out my reporting career in the Bay, and I, you know, I was uh, just got out of journalism school, trying to pay Bay Area rent and yeah, working for right. a startup, not making much money at all, and uh, it was getting about the time that I was going to run out of money, and I needed, I needed something better on my resume so that I could actually afford life, <laughs> and so I was looking for anything at a major metro news outlet. And the Philadelphia Inquirer gave me a shot. Wow. Wow. And and, and had you and, ever lived on the East Coast before, Sarah? No, I'm I mean, I've lived uh in Europe and I've lived all up and down California. I'm a California mm. girl. Gotcha. Uh from Northern California, went to school in Southern California and uh worked in the Bay for many years, but I'd never lived down on the East Coast. When I when I moved to Philadelphia, I didn't know a single person there. Wow. Uh, but uh, I'm a I'm a pretty gregarious person, so it doesn't take me much time to fit in. <laughs> yeah, and no, I always wonder because I'm you know the opposite. I grew up 30 years, my first 30 years of my life in New York City. Then I moved to the West Coast. I live in Los Angeles now, and you know <laughs> it can be a bit of a culture shock sometimes, right? Like it it is culturally very different. That's why I was wondering, you know, how your adjustment was as a West Coaster, where you know. The, the 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 stereotypes of people being more laid back, calm down, and chill are true <laughs> over here yeah. than um your typical East Coaster. That's why I was wondering how your transition went. It was like, it's actually pretty funny because when I told people that I was moving to Philly, um, a lot of my friends in California that are from the East Coast were like, "Oh, you're gonna fit right in because mm, nice. I'm, I'm not exactly the most laid back, chill person. I don't think I would ever use those words to describe right. myself." So um, <laughs> right. they were like, "Oh, you're right. you're gonna be just fine," and it turned out pretty well. Yeah, so, no, so. you you did good. You did real good. I mean, they're very, as you know, Philly, and I say this with love because I worked there for a couple of years. They're incredibly parochial, man. I mean, they are. Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, where you're from. And if you're not from Philly, they look at you kind of funny and you got to prove yourself. And um, you did that right away, uh, Sarah, uh, covering some very interesting, I will say, 76ers teams. And I wonder, like, as again, as somebody who wasn't there, you know, who's not from there, I should say, like you were there, right? Kind of, I guess, toward the end of the process period. Right. And. And so what was that like kind of seeing those seeing those hinky stands and all those people there um, against the utwash and say against 
compare it with other people that maybe were like, yo, can we win more than 20 games in a year? Is that allowed while we're rebuilding? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What that, what that was like seeing that play out. Yeah. I mean, I think that more than anything, cause I think there's a lot of like, Philly's the type of place where it's like reputation means a lot to the people there. And so you hear that Philly fans are really angry and like they're really tough, but I think that they play into it because they want to keep that reputation. But yeah. that they're like any other fan base where if you're losing for a long time, you're going to be mad. And yeah. so it, I mean, you could tell the relief just like the sense of relief and calm among the fans when they realized that they actually were going to start being good. And it just made me happy for them. You know, I never, I never want to see a fan base suffer. And so I, I was happy to see them win some games. And, and then I would, the last season that I was there was, uh, after they lost that series to Toronto on the quadruple bounce shot. Oh, right, 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 yeah. And, uh, that was just, I felt, it was crushing for the fan base. I hated to see them lose on a shot like that. And now you find yourself in Utah um, covering a franchise that, to me, um, in my humble opinion, is a model NBA franchise. Um, when you look at the past <laughs> two to three decades, they've been competent for basically all of it, right? Sure, they haven't won a championship, which, you know, that's the ultimate goal of every team, but they have been a model of consistency and competence forever. For as long as I, I can remember in this season, they've managed to put together a fantastic team and everything is sort of coalescing right now. Um, I wonder what that's like watching this team go through that. Yeah. And to your point, you know, I think that a lot of that consistency and competency has to do with continuity, the three C's, I guess. Mm, the three <laughs> because, C's. <laughs> <laughs> because, the, you know, you around the league, it's not often that you find a team that, you know, has both consistent ownership, consistent front office, consistent coaching, and sort of allows that to play itself out. Mm. And you, And then you get, even if you have a team that has those things, there's always a ton of turnover with the players. And Utah is one of the teams that has stood right. really pat. And they did change ownership this year, but mm -hmm. it was such a like a thoughtful switch from hmm. ownership. It it wasn't something that was like out of the blue. We're just going to give it to the next like guy who's rich. Who cares? He doesn't right. care what happens right. with the or, team. Or they didn't sell it to a team where the guy who bought it had to borrow money from the guy who was selling it to him to get exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, it's great watching this team because, you know, they came into the season as one of the only teams that had a lot of continuity on the roster. There wasn't a ton of change from last season. And the, the biggest change really was bringing Derek Favors back, who'd already been here for years. And so it was just like plugging in another piece that already understood the organization, understood the players and the tendencies. Uh, it's it's nice to see them sort of reap the fruits of their labor over the last few years. Why didn't I wonder why didn't they overreact? Because we see a lot of teams overreact when they don't when their team kind of hits a um, a plateau. Let's put it that way. Like they're a good team, they're a first round team, maybe they're a second round team, but they're not a championship, you know, a conference championship or a finals team. And you know, Utah lost in a bubble's a great series, but they lost right to Denver. So. Um, 
they could have overreacted and they didn't. Why didn't they? I think it would have been really understandable if, you know, you see the way that they, they lost, you know, they were up three to one and yeah. lost that series against Denver. It would be really easy and understandable to see a team go out and say like, you know what, we need something else because we need to get over that hump. But the way that they looked at it instead was we were right there. We were a good team missing Bogdanovich, which is a huge scoring part of that starting lineup. Right. And right. if we get Bogdanovich back and just tweak things a little bit, we can really be great because it really started to come together there right at the end. And so instead of overreact, they thought we'll just make tiny moves and see if it works. So I want to ask you about these tweaks because I was somebody who was very bullish on the jazz last season, right? Like I loved what they did in the off season. I loved the Conley acquisition. I love what Bogdanovich could bring to them because, you know, in the previous years they had lost series cause they just couldn't make shots. And I was like that, this team is going to make shots. If they're going to do anything next year, they're going to make shots. But for whatever reason, it didn't work out as well as the Jazz did or somebody like me who thought they were going to be extremely good last year. But now they found it this year, right? Um, what what are the differences between last year and this one? Is it just, you know, a function of having Bogdanovich be healthy and, and um, competent backup big play in favors? Yeah, I mean, it's all of those things combined. Plus, I think, I don't think that we can understate really the idea that players want to be there. So you've got a guy like Jordan Clarkson. He probably could have got paid somewhere else, probably got mm -hmm. paid a little bit more, maybe on a two-year deal rather than a four-year deal. But you've got guys that really want to be there. Derek Favors could have gotten somewhere else for more money. He took the mid-level to come back to Utah because he wanted to be there. All these guys really want to be there. They really love playing for Quinn. That's a big part of it too is like you've got – a whole roster of guys that are fully buying into what the coach is saying and what they want to do. And, you know, it would be again, really easy and understandable to have a player like Donovan Mitchell say, you know, I, I want to be putting up MVP numbers. Instead, you've got a guy who is completely willing to pass the ball and doesn't care about actually what, where his standings are going to be as far as a personal accolade. And that, that goes like 1 to 15 on that roster. None of these guys care about themselves, but they see what they're doing is working, and so they're willing to do it. And like you said, like what those little tweaks were, Mike Conley actually settling in to a new role with a different team, the Jazz knew what they were going to get. They just didn't know when they were going to get it with Conley, and they were totally willing to have that year of him struggling to figure it out because they could see the light at the end of the tunnel and – I mean, Conley's been amazing this season. And yeah, then with yeah. the bench, you've got, you know, favors on the bench adds a level of comfortability for Joe Ingles because those two are, you know, there's so much synergy between those two that it makes Joe better on the bench than he was by himself sort of trying to lead it, lead something where he didn't really have that, you know, rim running big that he could trust to get that pocket pass to on the pick and roll mm. and now they've got that and it completely changes the dynamic okay so i want to i i, I need to talk to you about this for a second because <laughs> <laughs> this is this is something that you have to talk about and i know i know sometimes you tough and believe me when i say this was salt lake city is one of the most underrated cities 
in in the in the league. People don't people don't understand. It's really kind of a cool town. It really is. Mm-hmm. I know I've heard it's this. got this rep, and it's really not like that. I'm telling you, it really isn't. Um, but I need to talk to you about this, Sarah. And I know you're not from Utah, um, but uh, but you've been there long enough. I'm sure you have some thoughts on it. The whole notion that brothers now are okay going back to Salt Lake City is <laughs> just is just. That just wasn't the way 20 years ago. It just wasn't. I'm just telling you, it wasn't like that 20 years ago. Um, when you say, look, Derek Favors got traded there. All right. He was with the Nets. He got traded there for Darren Williams. So he had to play there. He left and then he decided to come back. Jordan Clarkson's from Tampa. Okay. <laughs> he could have gone anywhere. You know what I'm saying? And and both both Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who could have been who could have made big money as free agents in the next couple of years, both have signed big extensions there. How, what is the sea change that now it's okay for brothers to live in Salt Lake City and feel comfortable about that, and they're not looking to get out of town? Well, let's not discount the idea of cost of living. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, speaking personally, uh when when I found out the cost of living, I was like, send me to Salt Lake City. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> You're all in. Um, but I think there's all there's also sort of a, a thought that like we want to change things for the better. And you've got a lot of guys on this team. I mean, especially we've seen Donovan Mitchell being really outspoken and uh fighting for changes and education and speaking out on racial issues. And in a place that doesn't have a ton of diversity. uh, I think that there's a sense that like we can do some good here. And I I mean, it's commendable Mm -hmm. and you're right. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff over many, many decades that would make you think I'd rather be somewhere else than Utah. But I I think that, and you know, it shouldn't be on their, their shoulders to have to change things. But I think that the the want to change things is, you know, a sign of maturity and it's incredibly respectable. And I think that 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 has to play into it. And then the other part is it's just that the franchise is so respectable that people want to play for them because it's a good organization. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So I do want to go back um, slightly back in time to about a year ago, March April specifically when Rudy Gobert caused the global pandemic. Just kidding. He got blamed for it though. Um, uh, we got it, it was, we got to talk to Sarah, but we'll talk to that uh, 
we talked to her about that. She was there in Oklahoma City, okay, mm. <laughs> that night. So we can get the, the download on that. So go ahead. Of my course, man. but I do because I remember the the rumblings. Shams reported some stuff. I think a couple of people at other outlets have reported some stuff about friction, if you will, because you know you got to use innuendo when you're talking about this stuff between Rudy and Donovan. Um, I ain't hearing any of that right now. They're kicking everybody's ass, and you know, guys are firing on all cylinders. Is the has the friction subsided? Was it overblown in the first place? What do you think is going on with that situation right now? Here's the thing: a couple things. First of all, I mean, we're we're talking about like friction and tension. There was stuff that was bubbling under before any of the COVID stuff actually happened. Right, right, right. and but it was it wasn't any sort of friction or tension that you wouldn't see on a team that has two all-stars that are trying to, you know, get over that hump and go deeper into the playoffs farther than the first round. I think it was a normal amount of tension. Um, And then when all the COVID stuff happened, I felt like it was completely overblown. Mm -hmm. When I was sitting back looking at it, I was thinking, listen, that was probably one of the scariest nights of these guys' lives. Yeah. There's, of course, that they're going to react and lash out. We all do that when we're in a situation that we don't understand and makes us scared. But they're all like, these are also grown men, you know? These are adults who are going to be able to calm down, step back from the situation, and look at what's more important. Is it really important to like fight about? maybe who was touching someone else's backpack. And I think that one of the things that sort of got them past some of that tension was like, not only did they talk things out and they say, you know what, we want to win. That's more important. But then when they got to the bubble and you saw the NBA players coming together and fighting for something that was a lot bigger than basketball, that it really like that whole experience in the bubble, the pandemic all of the racial injustice and police brutality that people reacting to over the summer, it puts puts into perspective, like what were we fighting about in the first place? That's not important at all. And so I think that that helped to erase a lot of that tension, but also, you know, to their credit, Donovan Mitchell was talking to us a few days ago and there was a question about like, you know, a, a lob pass uh, in traffic to go bear for Mitchell and he he told the reporters, he said, you guys know, a year ago, I probably don't make that pass. I probably just try to get the bucket myself. And he's like, that's the difference is we're all looking out for each other now. And so I think that they're, you know, they've just grown as people and as players. And they've realized that, you know, these little squabbles or whatever tension they have about who's getting the ball and at what time, none of that really matters. They're going for something bigger. I, I, have, I must ask you, and I know you've talked and written about this you know, at length over the last few months, but you know, that, that night in Oklahoma city, uh, uh, it was the first time. I mean, it was obviously everybody's first time dealing with COVID, but I was actually, you know, frightened for, for you, for Tony Jones, our, our buddy at the athletic, all the people that were, you know, involved with that and just what that was like being at Chesapeake energy arena seeing that happen in real time, you guys were there for hours and not knowing what was happening and when you could leave, if you could leave, if you were safe, if you were in danger 
physically and just how did you kind of get navigate through those hours? Yeah, that was a, I mean, it was horrifying, honestly, because if we think back to where we were in March, we, we barely knew anything about COVID and really the only thing that we knew, I mean, we were at a point where the only thing that we were hearing was that people were dying. And so when you hear that someone has it, someone, and you know, the CDC and the health department people that were there were describing to us, like, you know, if you've been within five feet, having prolonged conversations with people, then you're at risk. And you've got me and Tony and Andy Larson from the Sully Tribune. And it's like, well, you're just describing our job to us. Right. That's, what, right. we That's what we do every day, right? Yeah. And so, and you know, that was on a Wednesday. We were supposed to fly back to Salt Lake City the next day. And my mother, who had heart surgery last year, was supposed to be flying into Salt Lake City on Friday. So two days later, she's supposed to come see me. And so mm -hmm. I'm in the arena in OKC and I call her and I'm in tears. I'm sobbing. I'm calling her and I'm saying, you got to cancel the trip. This can't happen. I don't know. I don't know if I'm, I have it. I've been around it. The, this situation is weird. And the, the choice before calling my mom was like, do I need to worry about this? And it was like, well, yeah, because I don't want to kill my mother. Like, that's what went through my head is like, am I going to kill my mother if she comes and visits me? And so, I mean, it was just a horrifying experience and so much uncertainty. And I mean, looking back on it, I'm, you know, that night it was like, the NBA is so unorganized. How is this taking so many hours? I was like angry tweeting. And then I looked on it and I'm like, you know, actually that went, that went better than it would have, even if it happened today, they did a pretty good job. Right. It was, it was horrifying. And I, I just can't imagine, you know, I've been in my house for 10 months. So, I don't, you know, yeah. I haven't, I haven't been to an NBA game in 10 months. Um, and, it, and I can't imagine being right at the epicenter of it as it went on. Um, but I do want to, you know, I do want to transition because again, I do want to talk about this 25 and three team, which has the best record in basketball right now. And, and one thing I wanted to ask you about for sure was that they have really, really embraced the three. I mean, they're averaging 42 threes a game now, which is 13 more than they averaged just three years ago. Um, now, they would shoot it three years ago, but now they're looking for it. And it's a difference. They're hunting it. Um, and is that – where is that push coming from? Is that a Justin Zanuck front office push? Is it a Quinn Snyder push? Is it just – hey, this is the way the league is and we have to do this? Where is it coming from? I mean, I think it's uh, more than anything, it's directly from Quinn Snyder. I mean, he is in the preseason made no bones or secrets about the fact that they were, they were going to be shooting early and often. And I mean, they're shooting at, you know, historic levels right now. And he's telling guys he wants them to shoot more. And you still see some hesitancy from some of the more French players, Royce O'Neal, Joe Ingles. You get some hesitancy there. But, I mean, and it's not just that they're looking for it within sort of a half-court offense. He wants guys running. And so, you know, the idea of space and pace has finally moved to Utah is what it, what it feels like. And uh, it's I, I love the way that they are generating the threes too. It's really nice basketball to watch because 
it's not like we're going to go five out. They use the fact that they've got, you know, one of the best rim rollers in the game in Rudy Gobert to collapse people swinging around on the outside of the perimeter and scramble a defense until they basically get a wide open corner three. And so it's just, it's very aesthetically pleasing basketball. I have an eye towards the playoffs, obviously. I know there's a trope about Rudy not being able to play in space. Um, You know, I think the guys that make him play on the perimeter, you know, give him the most trouble. Obviously, he's the best rim protector in the league. He's the best, one of the best rim protectors in the history of the league, right? But he, in the playoffs, he will be forced to play in space. Um, how's he done this year in that regard? I know their their attack is not as um homogenous as it used to be, right? It used to just be a straight up, you know, Rudy falls back in the pick and roll in a quote unquote drop coverage. And that's just what they did. And they, they conceded a couple of threes, but they've changed things up in the recent years. How has Rudy fared, you know, switching up his, his defensive assignments? Yeah. And I think sometimes there's a little bit too much criticism, I think on Rudy for how he's actually performed when he gets pulled out mm. outside the paint by a smaller player. I think, you know, in people's minds, they think of very specific instances where he's got burned on that. But more often than not, he actually covers that situation pretty well. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it a lot this season where he gets pulled out. And that's actually one of the reasons that they brought in Derek Favors, because if you're going to have a team that is going to routinely pull him out, they've got another guy that actually can play in that lineup and can be there for help if somebody gets by him. But generally, their decision-making is to let guys get funneled into Rudy. And so you'll see some of the wings not even try to like stop their man on the outside, but rather push them into a position where these smaller, more crafty guards have to face him. And, I mean, he's the kind of guy where it's not going to show up on a stat sheet when someone dribbles towards Rudy Gobert and then just switch it. They just, no, I'm not going to do that. They right. change their mind and right. they just pass out. Uh, that right. That's sort of the biggest, you know, one of his biggest attributes is that he can just scare a guy into denying even coming towards him. And then, you know, you've got guys who will actually try to bring him out and shoot over him. We're talking about a seven, nine wingspan. So that's, that's difficult to shoot over. And so he'll get blocked from the smaller <laughs> guards. When, yeah. I mean, when you've got that kind of a guy closing out on you, uh, that's not easy. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So what do you think? I mean, are they, you know, I think everybody regresses to the mean over the course of a season, but they have had just monster wins the last month. I mean, they've beaten everybody, essentially, right? So, I mean, is this a team, is this a legit championship-level team this year? I was, you know, I was talking about this last night with someone that, that 2015 Warriors team that I covered when they went to the finals, uh, they, they won the championship that year. The whole season that I was covering that team and all the other reporters too, you know, as we were seeing them beat teams, we were still criticizing them at a really high level because they hadn't proven themselves yet. You know, they're turnover prone. They don't get up for the big teams. You know, they're constantly down and have to fight back to get the win. Uh, there was always criticism along the way, even though they were winning. You know, they were beating teams and it was clear that they had changed. And, you know, when I look back on it, I think, you know, we didn't realize that they were that team just because it hadn't happened yet. And so I think that there can be a tendency when a team hasn't done it yet to realize that they're actually capable. And so I'm trying very hard not to doubt what I'm seeing with Utah because you know, we can say a lot of things, you know, they haven't got past the first round. They, you know, their schedule's been easy. We can say a lot of those things uh, and say that they have problems. But like you said, this is a 22 and five team. They're blowing teams out. They're playing amazing basketball. Maybe this is a team that can do it. Yeah. Internally, what what, what are we getting, right? Like, because I talk about it all the time, um, being around the Clippers all year last year. Uh, there was nobody from top to bottom who did not think they were absolutely going to win the championship last year. Like, they just knew they were going to win that damn trophy last year. Seriously. Um, so I wonder what the attitude is in Utah. Is it cautious optimism? Are they really confident? How do you feel when you're taking the temperature of the team, both, you know, managerially, the players, the coaches, et cetera, et cetera? I think it, it's probably somewhere in between cautious optimism and like laser focus. Like mm. everyone is, I mean, you can tell that it's been messaging from front office to coach <laughs> staff, because when you talk to the players, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We won tonight. We got a game, uh, you know, on Wednesday. <laughs> I like that. Right. <laughs> no, one, no one is celebrating wins and, you know, Donovan Mitchell has said multiple times, yeah, we're playing great right now. It doesn't matter. We want to be playing great in April, May, June. Like that's when we want to play great. So these wins are good, but we're focused on that. And so 
I think that they they're all feeling very confident right now. And they, you know, they obviously know they're going to be in the playoffs. They're very likely going to be one of the top teams in the West, but they, they know their history. They know that they haven't gotten past the first, second round over the past few years. Uh, and that, that's definitely a goal of theirs is like, you know what need, we need to get over that. But internally the, the message is focus on everything that we can do so that individually we can all be playing at our best and collectively playing, playing at our best because we want to be there at the end. And so they're very focused. And I think that they all believe that they are, they are a finals team, but they also really want to prove it. So I, I, I wanted to ask you about this before, before we wrap up, cause I know you've got, you know, you're, you're covering the best team and the hottest team in the league. So everybody wants to talk to you now. Um, <laughs> But have you talked to Donovan since the Shaq thing? And what has he said about it? Yeah, I I asked Donovan about it uh, that night when it happened. And uh, again, it just, it fits into this, uh, I don't care about myself. I care about the team, you know, culture that they're trying to build. Because it was like, you know, what what do you think when you hear a guy say something like that? And he's like, man, I I hate that we just won and it was a great team win. And I've got to come here and talk about something that somebody said about me. Mm. Like, I don't want to do that. That's not what we should be talking about. Like, you know, this guy had a great game tonight. This guy had a great game tonight. We just won. It was like their seventh win in the row in a row, I think at that time. And he's like, what are we doing? Like, what are we talking about? Why, why are we doing this? And yeah. so, and I'm, and honestly, I mean, I felt bad for the guy because <laughs> You know, you score 36 points and win a seventh straight game, and then someone tells you you're not good enough on national TV. I mean, you. I think it was a beautiful response for him to just be like, "All right, that was I mean, that, that was that was kind of the mentality that he had. Like, oh, you don't think I'm good enough? Fine. All right. Yeah. 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 I, and you know, I I love I love Donovan Mitchell as as far as. How he carries him, not just his game. Obviously, he has a really electrical, electrifying game and is just a really fun guy to watch. But how he carries himself, his demeanor, just yeah. I, I'm, I'm a fan of his for that. Like, he's a model young superstar um, in this league. But, I, you know, again, because I do see Dwayne Wade potential, because I do see, you know, the upper strata of... NBA superstardom that has come before him in him. I don't know if he'll ever make it or reach it, but I do see that in him. So I can understand Shaq sort of, you know, razzing the guy in a, in a really awkward fashion on TV. Cause I think he is that good, right? Like nobody expects this of, I don't know, um, Reggie Jackson, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's expected of him cause he does you have that. Think for Reggie Jackson. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. The guy needs to pass the ball every now and again. Um, so I do, I do, I do, I do love what, what Donovan is doing this year. I love how he's playing with Mike Conley. Like the fact that they're sharing the responsibilities of initiating offense so seamlessly, you know, after just having one year under their belt is it's dope to see. I I keep telling people, like, think about how it must be for Mike Conley. Like a lot of people were wondering, like, is he going to be able to play sort of off the ball and play this maybe a shooting guard position a little bit more than, you know, dominating and orchestrating the offense. But I I'm telling people, like, imagine being in the league 12, 13 years, and then someone comes and tells you, hey, 
you don't have to be the guy at all. And I think God, that's got to be so freeing for him to be like, you know what? I'm going to get mine. This, you know, this team is really good. We can do something. And I don't have to be the guy because he had to be that a lot. I mean, he had Zebo and Mark Gasol, but it was always on his shoulders to get something for them. And yeah. he, he doesn't have to do that now. Yeah. No, he had to be the third guy like he had to, but you know, that's, it's easier sound. It's easier said than done to be the third guy. And he, it's not that he didn't do well. He did do well, but you're right. The the expectation was he's not doing enough. And I don't think that is the challenge for him. Right. In Utah, I don't think that that's what they're asking him to do. Like, it's not like whatever you're doing, you need to do more of, you just have to do what you do. And I think you're right. That is incredibly liberating for a player, especially a guy going to a new situation that's already on eggshells. Um, you know, so, uh, Sarah, this has been great. Um, I'm happy for you, um, because you work really hard and it was obvious when you were in the Bay that you were a grinder and I like grinders. I like people that earn their living, earn their way. And you've done that. And I'm happy that you're in a good situation now. And I hope that uh, everything is turning out well for you and that, you continue to have good health and good safety and good success uh, covering this great jazz team this season. Oh, that's lovely, DA. I, I, I'm very proud of my work ethic and grinding and making something of myself. And, you know, I learn from the best and that that's to you. Oh, you're very sweet. I, I appreciate that. I do. I do. And look, stay safe out there and thank you for your time. And, um, you know, Thank you we'll so much, you. Sarah. Hopefully, in the playoffs, hopefully I can actually get out and see a game in April or May this year. I would like to do that again. So, uh, yeah, be safe. to see people. I can't wait to see you again. I know. That will be great. That will be great. Thank you. Uh, wow, well, she's terrific. Um, like I said, she works really hard. She's been work. She was a, a worker bee um, in the Bay and... Um, I'm happy for her that she's found a, a, a niche and she's covering NBA Sarah is her Twitter handle. If you want to read her work every, every week. Was it, was did you have, did you have style this week? I did not. I did not. We took the week off for the style okay. rankings, but um, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to run my PJ Tucker one-on-one today. Um, Today when this, when the hoops of oh, Jason comes out. So, oh, what's yeah. it, oh what, what did you talk to him about? I got to talk to him. Well, he's so he was promoting uh, uh, glasses that he um, put out with this company. Um, okay. It's like a collaboration. It's basically the first thing he's ever put his name behind ever. And I just got to talk to him about his journey from, you know, the projects in Charlotte, North Carolina to front row in Milan sitting yeah. next to Anna Wintour to, you know, making it in the NBA as, as his dream, but like becoming this prominent person yeah. who can get a bidding war started among sneaker companies as a blue collar glue guy. Yeah. He doesn't average 25 points. He's not going to make anybody's all-star team. He doesn't do electrifying dunks or flashy passes. He is just a straight up all substance, no flash, no dash, NBA role player and he somehow made himself an A-lister in 
the sort of greater culture. And yeah. so I talked to him about a lot of that. And and it was just a dope conversation, man. Like he gave us a nice amount of time. Um, he was just really candid. He was really excited to be talking about this stuff. Um, it was dope. I, I was I'm very happy with how it turned out. So I can't wait for people to read that. That's oh, that'll dude, be that's out great. on Wednesday. Yes, sir. That's that's great, man. I can't wait I can't wait to read that, man. Cause he's one of my favorite guys in the league. He really is. Because he he like again, a grinder, man. He earned Grinds. it. He's earned it. He you has know. earned it. He had to go overseas first. Right. Um, yeah. And he made a niche for himself in the league. He couldn't shoot threes. That was why yeah. he didn't get drafted like that. There was, you know, there was worries about his offense. Is he a tweener as far right. as his size and all of this stuff? And he made himself into an NBA player. Just a great story, man. He's just got a great, dope story. Yeah, and he don't have to play no center no more. So that's good. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. Well, look, y'all, appreciate it. Leave that five-star review. Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review wherever you hear us. Google Play, iTunes, wherever you are picking up the Athletic NBA show and Hoops Adjacent. We appreciate the support. Hey, y'all ain't sending us no questions in the last couple of weeks. You need to you need to pick up your game. You need to send questions to Athletic that's NBA show. And help us that? That's that's my fault. That's your fault. It's, it's Jade's fault. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, My step bad. up your game. Send us some more questions for next week. And no dumb questions. You know the rules. I don't want to be reading no, why Why don't the Thunder trade, you know, why don't the tr- Thunder trade Mike Muscala for, you know, for uh, OG Ananobi and Siakam? I don't want to hear no dumb questions. All right. <laughs> so send good questions to us and we will read them next week. See you. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.